Turn with me this morning to Second Chronicles again, and we want to reread some verses from Second Chronicles chapter fifteen. As you're turning to the place, I've told you that in seeking the Lord, way back in the middle of December, thinking about the new year that was about to break, I. Ended up with something like 118 texts of scripture all written out. And as I read over them, prayed, cried to the Lord for his help, I was able to whittle it down to two verses of scripture. And um, we set before you in the first week in January one of those texts, which we really called the motto text. And that, of course, was Psalm 3 and the verse 3. Uh, where uh, God was able to say, uh, the Lord is my shield, my glory, and the lifter up of mine head. And the other text that I had in mind uh, was from Second Chronicles chapter 15 and verse 7. Be ye strong, therefore, and let not your hands be weak, for your work shall be <coughs> rewarded. And uh, some have been in touch with me from last Lord's Day when I preached in that message, to tell me that they felt that that was the motto text and should be the motto text for the year. So I give you two texts, so you have a choice. You can pick which one uh, brings the best uh, comfort and challenge to your own heart. But in rereading Second Chronicles again, especially chapters 14, 15 and 16, uh, there was another text of scripture that had pressed upon my mind and that's what we're going to think about today. So Second Chronicles chapter 15, and we're going to read together from the verse 1. Let's hear the word of the Lord. Second Chronicles 15 verse 1. And the Spirit of God came upon Azariah, the son of Obed. And he went out to meet Asa, and said unto him, Hear ye me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you, while ye be with him. And if ye seek him, he will be found of you. But if ye forsake him, he will forsake you. Now for a long season Israel had been without the true God, and without a teaching priest and without law. But when they in their trouble did turn unto the Lord God of Israel and sought him, he was found of them. And in those times there was no peace to him that went out, nor to him that came in, but great vexations were upon all the inhabitants of the countries. A nation was destroyed of nation and city of city, for God did vex them with all adversity. Be ye strong, therefore, and let not your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. And when Asa heard these words, and the prophecy of Obed the prophet, he took courage and put away the abominable idols out of all the land of Judah and Benjamin and out of the cities which he had taken from Mount Ephraim and renewed the altar of the Lord that was before the porch of the Lord. And he gathered all Judah and Benjamin 
and the strangers with them out of Ephraim and Manasseh and out of Simeon. For they fell to him out of Israel in abundance when they saw that the Lord his God was with him. So they gathered themselves together at Jerusalem in the third month, in the fifteenth year of the reign of Asa. And they offered unto the Lord the same time of the spoil which they had brought, seven hundred oxen and seven thousand sheep. And they entered into a covenant to seek the Lord God of their fathers with all their heart and with all their soul, that whosoever would not seek the Lord God of Israel should be put to death, whether small or great, whether man or woman. And they swear unto the Lord with a loud voice and with shouting and with trumpets and with cornets. And all Judah rejoiced at the oath, for they had sworn with all their heart and sought him with their whole desire. And he was found of them, and the Lord gave them rest round about. And also concerning Micaiah, the mother of Asa the king, he removed her from being queen, because she had made an idol in a grove. And Asa cut down her idol and stamped it and burned it at the brook Kedron. But the high places were not taken away out of Israel. Nevertheless, the heart of Asa was perfect all his days. And he brought into the house of God the things that his father had dedicated, and that he himself had dedicated silver and golden vessels. And there was no more war unto the five and thirtieth year of the reign of Asa. Amen. We know that the Lord will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of the Holy Scriptures. Now my text this morning is taken from Second Chronicles chapter 15 and the verse 2. And my theme today is maintaining our spiritual fire. Or if you want to put it this way, a message that Asa was not to forget. The text says that he went out to meet Asa, that was God's prophet, and said unto him, Hear ye me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin, the Lord is with you, while ye be with him. And if ye seek him, he will be found of you. But if ye forsake him, he will forsake you. There's a story told of a minister's wife who went along with hundreds of others. Uh, they gathered in a particular place and building to hear a great uh, missionary proclaim the word of God. So they came to this particular rally and they were looking for easy answers, I suppose, to life's difficulties and the, how to cope with problems in the ministry of the work of God. Now the preacher was a, an 80-year-old and missionary, he was home in furlough, and they were thinking when they came to the meeting, I wonder what he would say. I wonder what answers he'd provide to life's difficulty today. And that afternoon, as that old man got up to preach, this is what he said. He said, Unintended fires soon die and become a pile of ashes. Unintended fires soon die and become a pile of ashes. And he spoke about maintaining the fire within. In other words, maintaining a relationship with God. 
and enjoying the reality of the living and the true God on our lives. In other words, our relationship with God requires our constant attention by his grace and by his help. Now think of it, young people. A fire could be blazing today. It could blaze tomorrow and the next day. But if that fire over time is neglected, then that fire will eventually die out. And our theme today is how can we maintain our spiritual fire for God, especially in an evil day, especially in a day of religious downgrade and apostasy. Remember, there is no one special experience that we can have with God that will carry us through for the rest of our lives. The moment we stop feeding on God, and tending to our spiritual fire, then it begins to die, it begins to go out. And there's a danger if we forget the Lord. There's a danger if we feel him. There's a danger if we forsake him. We will bring ourselves into ruin and bring ourselves under his rod of discipline. So, so the question this morning, what is what your spiritual fire like today? Is it burning brightly or is it burning badly? Is it burning long or is it burning low? You see, the story of King Asa makes that point very clear. He was a young man who started out well with God. He had a good testimony. Second Chronicles 14 verse 2. He did that which was good and right in the eyes of the Lord. He restored the worship of the living and the true God. He, he removed a, a great lot of idolatry that was then in the territory of Judah. He rebuilt the fenced cities in Judah. His aim was to follow the Lord fully. He wanted to please him in all his ways throughout his days. A very commendable young man. Uh, once he resumed the position of kingship, his Spiritual reform brought revival to the southern kingdom of Israel. And the blessing of God became very evident in his life and in the land. But later he forsook the Lord. Later he forgot about his God. And he brought the Lord's discipline and displeasure into his life. What happened with Asa was this. The fire went out. And here's the central message. And it's found in the lips of an unknown prophet. A message that was delivered in a very short space of time. The prophecy uh, really centered from verse 2 of chapter 15 right through to verse 7. But the central message was this. When he met the king coming into Jerusalem after he returned from a great victory of the Ethiopians when over one million Ethiopians were put to death. The prophet met him, and here was the message that Asa was not to forget. And it was a message about maintaining his spiritual fire. The Lord is with you while ye be with him. But if ye seek him, he will be found of you. But if ye forsake him, he will forsake you. And to me, that was a, a, a vital message. That, that was a, a, a great lesson for Asa to learn. And the lesson was simply this. Maintaining 
our spiritual fire. Now, as you think about this text of Scripture, there's three things come to mind. You've got here the comfort of the Lord's presence. Look at these lovely words. The Lord is with you. Here's a spirit-filled man, and he's got a spirit-inspired message burning in his heart. It's on his lips, and as he meets the king coming back from a great victory, he says this, The Lord is with you. Now, there's a promise here. What do we need most in the Christian life? Is it not a relationship by faith with the Lord? What greats brings comfort and assurance and support in the life? Is it not knowing life's greatest blessings that the Lord is with you? That you're found in a right relationship with him? That you have the knowledge of sins forgiven? That you're one of his children? Isn't that true personally? Isn't it true particularly in relation to the work and service of God? We, of course, can have great meetings. We could preach, if it was possible, with eloquence and great orthodoxy. We can stroke the theological T's and dot the theological I's. But if we don't have the deep assurance and the deep conviction and the deep knowledge of the Lord's presence with us in a personal way, in a particular way, in a powerful way, then, then it's all in vain. Remember Moses said, If thy presence go not with us, lead us not up hence. Because of sin, the Lord had promised an angel to go with them. Moses went to the Lord in prayer. If thy presence go not with us, then lead us not up hence. In other words, Lord, we don't want to be without you. We can't be without this. This is most necessary. This is what we need. Most of all, the presence of the Lord with us. One of our young ministers many years ago was asked to lead in prayer at one of our particular conferences way back in the 1980s. And he prayed for the Lord's presence to be a powerful felt reality in the meeting. And there was an English preacher there. And during the course of that message, this English preacher said that it wasn't right to ask the Lord in prayer for a conscious sense of his presence in the meeting because the Lord was already there. And he quoted, of course, that reference for two or three are gathered together in my name. There am I in the midst. Now think of this. The Lord is with you. And that can be true in a general sense. We believe this morning in the doctrine of the omnipresence of God. That means God is present everywhere. And when we meet together in the Lord's Day morning, whether we're many or few, even two or three in his name, the Lord is there. And of course, we, we uh, could think of Psalm 139. And there's nowhere that you could go on earth, in heaven, or even in hell itself, remember the psalmist said, if I make my bed in hell, thou art there. There's nowhere you can be outside the presence of God because God is omnipresent. Those words in Matthew 
18 and verse 20, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst. He's called Jehovah Shammah. The Lord is there. And that can be all true in a general sense, and we can rejoice in that and ought to bear that in mind. But when Asa heard the words, the Lord is with you, it wasn't just in a general sense that, that he's omnipresent. I believe it was in a special sense because there are times when the Lord came down and his presence and power was a conscious felt reality. When God's people were very conscious that we're in the presence of God. When God's presence has been overpowering. Whenever God's presence had a powerful effect upon us. When God's presence was a, a transforming, changing matter as far as the individuals were concerned. There is such a thing as the special presence of the Lord. And I believe that's exactly what Moses meant. When he said, if thy presence go not with us, carry us not up in. He was talking about the special sense of the Lord's presence. That, that's what he needed. And you know, that's what we need today. And that's what Asa was hearing. The Lord is with you. Remember, he had just returned from a great victory. As a salesman one time arrived in the Isle of Lewis, this was during the height of the revival, he got off the boat, and this is what he was heard to say, surely God is in this place. In other words, as far as he was concerned, it was God's presence that was making a difference. He had travelled that route many times to sell his wares. But on that occasion when he came, surely God is in this place. And wouldn't that be a tremendous testimony for our church, for visitors to come in? To come into our homes? To, to interact as far as our lives are concerned? And to have that awareness that we're being brought into the very presence of God. Let's not content to have the ordinary run-of-the-mill meetings. Let's not be content to just go through the motions of Sunday worship morning and evening. Let's not be content just to say, well, the Lord is with you in a general sense as far as his omnipresence is concerned, as far as his promise is concerned, or two or three are met together in my name there in the mouth, as far as his name is concerned. Jehovah Shema, the Lord is there. But let's, let's want to know that in a very special, concrete way. Notice, secondly, there's a person here. The Lord is with you. The reference, of course, is to the, the living and the true God. Asa had found a relationship with the living and the true God on the basis of grace. He, he was following God. He was being faithful at that time to the Lord as the living and the true God. Look at the context. Look at verse 3. Now for a long season Israel had been without the true God. The truth is in the land of Judah there were many false gods being worshipped. The land had fallen into idolatry a long time. And there was a multiplicity of idols. And people were worshipping that idol and calling that idol God. And aren't there so many false gods today? Aren't there so many 
different. Gods being worshipped by the children of men. You only have to think of the God of Islam, Allah. Allah's not the God of the Bible. Allah's a false God. So far removed from the revelation of God himself in the Holy Scriptures that they're, that they're not comparable. Think of the God of Buddhism. Buddha himself. Think of the God of atheism. Do you know that there's a great number of people who don't believe in God? Don't believe in having a relationship with him. Don't believe that he exists. Don't believe that they're dependent on him. Don't believe that they're accountable to him. And they take great pride. And we can talk today about militant atheism. So many false gods. And there was a long time, a long season in Israel when they were without the true God. And then God in grace come and revealed himself to this young king. This young king um, was brought into a right relationship with him. He was gloriously saved. And um, th th this young king was, was um, given this assurance. The Lord is with you. He's with you personally. And he's with you as the living and the true God. The God of your fathers. One who stands head and shoulders above the many false gods. Your creator and maker, your sustainer, your provider, your redeemer, your Lord. See, there's a person here. I don't want you to see that today. The Lord is with you. And when you say the Lord is with you, what do you mean? You mean the true God. In contrast to the false God. There's also a principle here. If you look at the text, it says, The Lord is with you while ye be with him. Now, now that's not complicated, is it? Isn't it an amazing thing that God would be desiring a relationship with us, fellowship with us? Wouldn't that be a marvelous mystery that the true God, the living and the true God, this God that's thrice holy, this God that's um, this God that's omnipresent, this God that's all-knowing, this God that's omnipotent, this God that needs nothing, this God that's self-existent, self-dependent, this God that's complete in himself, yet here's a, a glorious, gracious message. The Lord is with you. We need fear nothing if the Lord is with us. We can face anything. If the Lord is with us. They had already experienced that. In the defeat of one million Ethiopian soldiers. And 300 iron chariots. And yet the amazing thing is this. That he's desirous to support us. To help us. To, to bless us. <coughs> to, to meet us at the point of our need. Remember Joshua said. As for me and my house. We will serve the Lord. I wonder this morning. Can it be said of you. The Lord is with you. Have you made that conscious decision. Like Joshua. As for me in my house. We will serve the Lord. Is he your God this morning? Do you know him. As your maker. Creator. Sustainer. Provider. Redeemer.
Have you bowed the knee to him? Have you cried out, Lord, save me? Lord, I want a relationship with you. I want to know you in a deep, intimate way. The text in the pulpit says, be still and know that I am God. God can be known. He's made a revelation of himself. And he says this morning, the Lord is with you while ye be with him. And there has to be a desire and a yearning and a, and a consciousness and a thought in our hearts and lives. A burning conviction. I must be in a relationship with God. I, I must want him in the life. And of course, that will be brought about by the Spirit of God and by the gracious God and through the Word of God. But the comfort of the Lord's presence, it's a wonderful promise. And if you need a promise this morning, take it home with you. Take this person here into your heart and mind, the Lord. We'll pause there. Who is he? What's he like? And take this principle. You have to make a conscious decision. Do you want a relationship with him? Do you desire a relationship with him? Notice also here, very quickly, the challenge of the Lord's presence. It says, if ye seek him, he will be found of you. Now, that's a major theme in Asa's life. What does that mean? The, the word seek means to uh, beat a, a well-known path or, or to trample underfoot a path. You, you, you think of a, 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 a cow and it comes out of the parlour and it travels along a, a certain track and if it travels along that track for many a day uh, you will see that that tr track has become worn and the grass on either side has been um, dug away and all you have is that little um, uh, soil path that the cow normally walks upon and that's the idea it's beating a path to the Lord's door it's trampling a familiar way and, and you, you, you do that with great care. And you do it with inquiry. And you do it with insight. And, and, you, and you seek him as the living and the true God. You seek him as a God who is wise. A God who is absolutely just. A God who is thrice holy. And if you seek God, then that will involve obedience to God's word. You see, there's no such thing as a revival among God's people today without a, a return to his word as the basis of life and conduct. Remember Matthew 4 and 4, Ancelotte, by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And your spiritual relationship, your spiritual health this morning is tied in to a relationship where you begin to know, understand, and have a desire to obey the word of God in your life. We need to know the word of God. But we need to obey the word of God. Both are needed. Thousands of course don't know the book. There's ignorance today in Northern Ireland. And many live disobedient lives out of ignorance to God and his word. But you know something. If you're in a right relationship with God. And you want to know his word. Then you've got to also obey his word out of love. Because God will not allow you to continue a life of sin. Uh, how many of course say they have a knowledge of the book. But that hasn't allowed them to confront sin in their own lives. Or confront sin in the lives of others. 
And they're not godly individuals. They become proud and arrogant and boastful. Seeking God involves an obedience to God's word. It's tied in. If we seek him with care and inquiry and insight, this God of holiness and God of wisdom and God of justice, then we'll want to do and think about what that God says in his word. It will involve, of course, the desire to separate from sin and evil. Sin was put away in this Reformation revival. Idols were dealt with. Even the king's mother, who was guilty of idolatry, she was put off and out of the royal house. Idolatry was dealt with by this godly young king in light of what he discovered and learned about the will and the word of God. And that involved his heart. That, that involved his mind. And that involved not only subtle evil, but blatant evil. All forms of sin and iniquity were, were put away. It also involved time. Getting alone with God. Not slacking or shirking one's responsibility. Taking the measure to heart. Taking the measure to hand. And even when trials and troubles come, continue to seek God. Not, not fall apart, but, but strengthen himself. Even in times of distress, to, to, to fortify himself against spiritual danger. It also involved trusting the Lord. It's wonderful that young Asa put his trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not in thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. He trusted in God alone. He didn't entrust in new methods. He, 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 he didn't, um, uh, when he faced this enemy of one million Ethiopians, he, 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 he put his trust in the Lord. And he, he looked to the Lord for, for victory and strength and support at this time. It involved total commitment to the Lord. There was the altar that was rebuilt. There was the restoration of the blood sacrifice. There was a calling in God. There was an entering into a, a, a covenant to seek the Lord. That was all time consuming. That was costly. That, that, that involved effort. You see, true worship of God costs time. It costs money. And, and we're told here, if we seek him, he will be found of us. What does that mean? It means he will restore us. He'll support us. He'll provide rest from war. He, he, he will bring peace into our lives. He, he, he will provide the prosperity and the spiritual reward that we need. Because he that finds God, who is having sought him with all his heart and soul and mind and strength, it's like finding a rare treasure. If you diligently seek and you find, you'll delight. And you'll hold on to. And you'll rejoice and you'll tell others. And all that mixes here. And that's the challenge of the Lord's presence. Even for us in 2018, if we seek him, have we set our heart to seek God with all our heart? Do, do we go to God on a daily basis and cry out for a conscious sense of his presence in his life? 
Do, do, we, do we go to God and are we willing to obey his word and put sin away from our lives? And are we willing to trust him completely, 100%, and, and offer ourselves totally in a committed way, 100% to him to provide all that we need? You see, that's the challenge of seeking the Lord's presence. I want you to think of this as we close. The curse of the Lord's presence. Look at the text as we finish. What does it say? If you forsake him, he will forsake you. Let me tell you at the end of Asa's life, he forsook the Lord. He let his spiritual fire go out. Now it didn't happen to the 36th year of his reign. And this happened in the 16th year of his reign. So, so 20 years. He was warned 20 years before that it was going to happen. In chapter 15 verse 19 we read, And there was no more war unto the 5 and 30th year of the reign of Asa. It says in chapter 16, verse 1, in the 6th and 30th year of the reign of Asa, Basha, king of Israel, came up against Judah and built Ramah to the intent that he might let none go out or come in unto Asa, king of Judah. In other words, Asa was retacked in the 36th year of his reign by a man called Basha. He, he fortified Ramah. It was a town north of Jerusalem. And what did Asa do? He panicked. He, he stripped the house of God of all its treasures. He went into his own house and took the gold and silver. And he bribed a man called Ben-Hadad of Assyria to come and attack Basha and destroy the town of Ramah. And you know what? The plan worked. But there was a price. He was forsaken of God. He was brought into discipline. He trusted not in the Lord, but he trusted in his own scheme. When he faced a larger army, there was no crisis. He trusted in the Lord. Now he, he's got a small crisis, and what does he do? He trusts in his own scheme. He's using what worked rather than what was biblical. He made an unholy alliance with this man, Basha, King Ben-Hadad of Syria. He never asked, is it right? Is it good? Is it what God wants? I'll go to God in prayer. In a reality, he was forsaking the Lord. He was rejecting the Lord. And he was brought into discipline and much correction in his life. And you know, if we forsake him, if we turn our back on him, the Lord can bring correction into our lives to turn us around. He can bring trials and troubles into our, our lives. He can even bring illness as he did with Asa. Asa suffered a bad case of gout. And that was brought about to humble him, to, to teach him dependence on God. And the Lord could even discipline us in relation to death. Old George Miller used to pray this. Lord, don't let me become a wicked old man. Lord, don't let me become a wicked old man. What did he mean? The godly George Miller. He meant about the need to tend his spiritual fire. Because think of how I started. An unattended fire 
goes out, dies, and becomes a pile of ashes. God's will today is for you to seek him. To seek him for forgiveness. To seek him for salvation. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. To seek him for pardon of sins forgiven. Have you sought the Lord for that this morning? If you seek and find him, you'll find him at the cross. If you seek and find him, you'll find him in his word. If you seek and find him, you'll see him in the lives of his children that's walking worthy of their calling in him. And your eyes will be open to behold him as the living and the true God. If you seek, you'll find him. But if you forsake him, if you close your eyes to him, if you turn away from him, then he will forsake you. And that's living a life without the true presence of God. And that brings discipline and brings a curse. I leave this thought with you this morning. Managing your spiritual fire. How are we measuring up to our spiritual fire today? May the Lord bless these few thoughts to your heart.